Have you ever been in the middle of a project and you wondered, how in the world did I get here? How in the world am I going to get out of it? Now, those of you who know me know I grew up on a farm in northern Alberta, and I should be like one of those guys who just, and I had friends like this, gourds like this, rip out an engine on a weekend. You know, what did you do this weekend? Ah, swapped an engine out of my pickup truck. I should be one of those guys, but I'm not. Anyway, so here I am. I'm 16 years old. My head gasket needs to be changed on my truck. And everyone who knows, knows the head gasket's worth like, what, seven bucks? But it's like 10 hours of labor. So I remember being right in the middle of it. Pieces are everywhere. And I have no idea, like if, you know, how in the world am I going to get this back together and actually run? But it was the good graces of my boss at the time, who happened to be a mechanic. I was just pumping gas. And... uh we got it back together. I, I sold it the next week, mind you, but uh, uh, I did get it back together. Or, or have you had the experience of, of, of stripping, stripping things down to the studs, standing there amidst the rubble and the bare cement walls? Some of you go, ah, blank slate, blank canvas. Now I can create. Others of us, like me, call Marvin. <laughs> you, you know, when you're in the middle of the project, for some of you, maybe it's you're right in the middle of raising toddlers. And you really are genuinely wondering, will I ever see the light of day? Others of us, it might be high school, where we have the stress of homework and the stress of courses and wondering what's going to happen and not sure you can finish it. We can all feel like we're right in the middle of something and we're really not sure how we're going to make it. Well, here we are about halfway through the community Bible experience and some of you, I know, (laughs) because I've been talking to you or I've seen the look in your eyes, some of us are wondering, why are we doing this again? How did I get in the middle of this? How am I ever going to finish? I mean, I'm faithful on Mondays. I, I open it up. I start my reading. I have all these questions, which, by the way, do not go away by Tuesday. In fact, by Tuesday, I have a whole bunch more questions. Wednesday, I don't know where Wednesday went because I just, like, didn't do the reading that day. Thursday came along. I forgot all my questions from Monday, Tuesday. Thursday, a whole new set of questions, and I haven't even got to Friday yet. And you're wondering, how in the world? I've got Connect Group tonight. How in the world am I going to make it through this? Well, I know that at this stage of the journey, at this stage of the community Bible experience, some of us are probably feeling overwhelmed. Some of us are feeling like we've had enough. Some of us are, are excited and just ahead, you know, <laughs> One of you folks who are like, oh, yes, I kind of lost track of time. And and I I did all next week's reading, too. I wouldn't say that too loudly in certain company. Some of us might be ready to give up altogether. We're wondering, why are we doing this? Well, this morning, Jesus has something to say to us, wherever we're at. And it comes from this week's reading out of the Gospel of Matthew. Am I... That's just to see if you're paying attention, I guess. The Gospel of Matthew is the, the passage or the, the book we would have read this last week. Jesus gives us in this book a really practical answer to the question of why. Why we'd spend so much time in the Bible. Why we'd place such emphasis on this as a community. Listen to what Jesus says. Um, the passage I'm going to pull from today is on the insert in your bulletin, but it's found in Matthew chapter 7 right at the end. Today's passage comes at the end of probably Jesus' most famous block of teaching. 
It's known as the Sermon on the Mount, because he went up a hill and taught it, and there's some symbolism there. But Jesus told the crowds that had gathered around him, he began to tell them in really practical terms what it looked like to now follow him. What it looked like to be part of this kingdom of God that he was all on about. And after giving this very practical teaching, teaching that is considered by people who are even outside the Christian faith to be of the highest moral teaching ever given, after he'd given all this practical teaching uh, covering everything from loving your enemies to judging others, ranging from anger to lust to giving to, to, to prayer to worry, after all that, this is how Jesus concludes it. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Can we say that together? Yet it did not fall. Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Gord needs to come up here. and, and we, well, Let's try this. Uh, Gord, you can stay, but I, I, can, I can even do this as a drummer. It fell with a great, let's say it, crash. Oh, that's not nearly loud enough. It fell with a great crash. Oh, man. This is why Gord and Brad and Crystal and others drum, not me. It fell with a great crash. When Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. There it is. Why would we take all this time? Why would we expend all this energy? Why would we rearrange our schedules? Why would we leave the house after dark? I'm speaking to some of you, I know. Why would we risk opening up and actually sharing our questions with a group of potentially strangers? Why would we do all that? Because Jesus told us that by putting God's word into practice, we will be able to stand strong when life gets tough. Action gives us traction. And I'm going to get really practical today. I want to show you how hearing God's word and then taking action on what he says creates a foundation on which we can stand strong for the long haul. Everything starts with hearing. And Jesus was all about hearing, wasn't he? Everywhere he went, everywhere he went, he was committed to helping people hear. Helping people hear the story of God. Helping them hear the good news of hope. Helping them hear the, the, the truth that God hadn't forgotten them. That he was there. He was, he was acting. He was going to rescue. He was on the move. And Jesus was constantly talking about it. He was constantly sharing. He was telling stories. He was answering questions. He was facing opposition. In, in, in large groups and in small groups, he was there sharing the, the good news about the kingdom. He was traveling from village to countryside to city. He would cross borders. He would do anything he could to connect with people, helping them to hear. And as followers of Jesus, 
We do the same thing. Here at Erickson Covenant, we're committed to helping people find and follow Jesus. Helping people find Jesus first. And we know that the only way that that will actually happen is if people get a chance to hear. That's square one. We believe that unless someone actually hears, they'll never experience the love and grace of Jesus. And that's why we're so committed to connecting with others so that we can help them hear the story, hear the good news. That's why we try to host Alpha once a year. And we're coming up again into the new year. Alpha's got a whole revamped, amazing film series. Uh, It's all new, all fresh, amazingly uh, filmed from locations all over the world. And it's an opportunity we have to invite a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, that they might have the chance to hear the good news about Jesus. It's why we're so consistent as, as people. Why when we, we get up in the morning, we go to work, we're thinking and we're praying about the people that we work with because today might be the day that at coffee break, at lunch, on the little chit-chat on the way out the door on, at the end of the day, it just might be the day where that coworker of yours is open to hearing something about your life, something about what Jesus is doing, an invitation to attend something special. It's why we try every once in a while to host special services, like coming up on Christmas Eve. I love Christmas Eve. You know I love Christmas Eve. So this year, in order for you to have no limitation on who you invite, we're not going to host Christmas Eve here. We're going to host it at the theater because we believe that we need more room for that special event. So we've rented PCSS Theater, and we're going to host our Erickson Covenant Christmas Eve service there so that you don't have to worry about parking, about room in the building. Are you happy about that? I know you're thrilled because you've been looking forward all year to invite that friend or neighbor to the Christmas Eve service because you know it's amazing. Okay, I'm I'm selling it a little bit now, but... (laughs) We do that because we believe, for example, with Christmas Eve, that there are moments in the year where people are especially open to hearing. And it's only through hearing that they can come to hear and understand the grace of Jesus. It's why we do two services, right? We didn't do two services because we were looking for, you know, well, I was kind of bored. You know, we weren't looking for two services because we decided some of you were slacking. We need the worship team to work harder. We wanted to double the amount of people that, you know, serve in our children's ministry. We did it because we believe that people need an opportunity to hear, and if there's no room in the building, no room in the parking lot, they can't hear. That's one of the critical ways that they hear, and so we went to two services. It's why we do what we do. It's why we serve and love people in our lives who aren't ready yet to hear, in the hopes that through our serving and through our loving, that they will hear with our actions, but also they may come to a place where they are willing to hear more straight up, about the good news of Jesus. Through the month of October, we've been uh, kind of hearing more about global missions. Remember back at the start of October, Kayla Johnson came to us. She talked about the work that God is doing through Greater Europe Mission, through her in London. It's all about helping people hear. Um, in the middle of the month, and we've been highlighting the work in the Congo, the partnership we have as family of covenant churches with World Vision. It's all designed to, of course, bring life and transformation and meeting practical needs in people's lives, but it's partnered with an opportunity for them to hear 
the good news about Jesus. And then, of course, last week we heard a huge challenge from new tribes. The fact that there are literally thousands of people groups in this world who have never had an opportunity to hear the truth of a God who loves them, who has sent his son for them. Never had an opportunity to hear that. Remember that passage from Romans? Uh, We heard it in the last few months a few times. The one about hearing. Here it is from the message. Everyone who calls help God gets help. I love that. But how can people call for help? if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? All starts with hearing. I mean, how many of you are here today because of something you heard? Every hand should go up. Because somewhere along the way, whether it was in the cradle, (laughs) whether it was three weeks ago, whether it was 25 years ago, it's because of something we heard that we began to follow, began to take that step toward Jesus. Some of us heard things and we were intrigued. Some of us heard things and we were confused. And it's that confusion that drove us to ask more questions. Some of us heard about Jesus and we were so compelled that we just, we literally just kind of fell in love. And we said, I want to follow this guy. Some of us, there was things that we just couldn't get out of our minds, situations in our lives that drove us. And we just found ourselves coming back. We heard something. We started following. And when people hear your story, your story about Jesus, your story about how God's at work in your life, your, your story of change, the way you're now beginning to see your purpose in life differently, when people begin to hear that, people respond. They begin to connect. They hear the good news. And there's no telling what will happen. And it all begins with hearing. That's how people find Jesus. But hearing is also central to how we're helping people, how we're helping each other follow Jesus. As we come to follow Jesus, we realize that this huge story of God that's going on, all his activity, all that he's been up to down through history and culminating in Jesus, this is a story that we're now part of, but we don't really know anything about this story either. That's what we realize. We're like, Okay, I've just been brought into this family history that I know nothing about. And so we place ourselves at the feet of Jesus. We begin to hear the story again and again. Different people, different ways. The story of God's creation of the world and how he designed a world that would work and a world where we're in right relationship with him and right relationship with each other, a world with potentiality and growth. And yet humanity rejected God's plans. I don't want anything to do with that. I want to do my own thing. And as a result of our actions, we messed everything up. But God didn't give up. He didn't just say, well, forget it. Let's just cash in and forget this enterprise. Move off somewhere else. Rather, God set about a plan and began to work through people and eventually work through this family, Abraham's family, through the Jewish people. He he set this in action so that down through the years, eventually someone would come. And it's through the Jewish people that Jesus came who came to rescue and set the world right. This is the story we hear. This is the story that we're part of. And how Jesus has come and through his death and his resurrection, we're now set on an entirely different trajectory. We've been given the Holy Spirit so that we can live now in light of his kingdom, in light of new creation, right in the middle of a world that is still a mess. And the only way we can get this story into us, the only way we can have our lives realigned, 
to God's ways is the regular, sustained, intentional, submitted hearing of God's word. What we quickly realize is that hearing God's word is just as essential to our spiritual health as eating food is essential to our physical health. Jesus himself, just a little earlier in Matthew, he said the famous words in response to the devil's temptation. He said, people don't live on bread alone, but on what? On every word that comes from the mouth of God. Followers of Jesus live on a steady diet. A steady diet of God's story, letting his truth shape our lives. Too many Christians wonder why they aren't growing spiritually when they've been living on a starvation diet. You can't grow strong if you only nibble here and there and only eat the things you like. We know that's true physically, and yet we'll often do that spiritually. To grow, we need to be consistent hearers of the word, consuming what would be the equivalent of three home-cooked, you know, three square meals a day. And one of the goals of our community Bible experience is that we would begin to feast more regularly on this bountiful book. And for some of us who've never really eaten much of this before, it's felt like a big haul, a big feast. We're hoping just to put a little flesh on your bones, you know what I'm saying? So hearing is critical. Very quickly, there's three practical ways we can hear. This goes for all of us, wherever we're at in our, in our journey. The first one is through regular intake. We need to actually take time to, to read and to, to hear, maybe through audio, maybe through someone else, to, to, to study. Just like we take time to eat regularly, you know, like some of us get kind of grumpy after a few hours without food. The same should be true for us with God's word, that we have regular intake, regular times when we're, we're taking in, we're hungry to receive. The second one is through intentional reflection. You know, it's that, 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 that piece of meat on the plate that requires a little more chewing. You know what I'm saying? And let's be honest, the longer it is to chew, sometimes, at least we hope, you're at least getting more out of it. Like you're getting more out of the steak than you're out of the pudding. Right? And we need to actually have these moments where we take the, the word that we've heard and we chew on it a bit more. We reflect on it. Maybe we write it out. Maybe we memorize it. Maybe we, maybe we actually um, you know, say it over a few times in our mind, but we're actually putting it deeply into our hearts. We're intentionally reflecting on it, asking God what he's saying to us. And then the third thing is very practical how we can hear is through community experience, where we actually take this word that we're hearing and reading, we discuss it with friends, we pray about it with each other, because let's be honest, aren't meals always better with friends? Yeah. These are three practical ways that we can hear. But is hearing enough? You know, hearing's essential. Nothing moves forward without it. But if he, hearing, if it just stops there, it doesn't actually take us anywhere. You know, when you hear the word duck, is that enough? When you hear the word duck? I mean, is that all you need? Duck! And, and you just kind of think, well, that, that's good. You know, the person who ignores that usually is in pain afterwards. Look at what Jesus said. The only difference between the house that stood strong and the house that fell flat was not in the hearing. It wasn't in what they heard. And it wasn't in the storms. They all got storms. Everything happens, you know. The only difference between the house that stood strong and the house that fell flat was in the actions taken based on what? 
they had heard. We hear and we take action. God's word, we discover very quickly, is practical. It applies to our lives. We can actually live it out. You can go to the next slide. There we go. A couple more times there. We actually live it out. In our friendships, in our schools, maybe a friendship that's been strained at high school, we can actually take the teaching of Jesus and apply it to that friendship. We can, we can hear what God is saying in his word, and we can actually take that and apply it to the way we practice our business, the way we treat an employee. We can take what Jesus says and we can apply it to our home life, the way that we raise our children, the way that we speak to one another, the way we deal with conflict. We can hear God's word and it'll inform the way that we treat our bodies, the way that we love our neighbors, especially the difficult ones, how we care for God's earth, how we reach the lost. We can actually put this Bible into action. And that, Jesus says, is what defines the difference between a life that fails and a life that stands. Well, what does it mean to put it into practice? This is what Jesus says. Everything hangs on this. What does that mean? How do we do it? The first thing is that we submit our lives to Jesus' authority. We authorize Jesus to lead in our lives. This is where it starts. That Jesus has the right, the authority, to speak in to my life and to yours. We don't come to Jesus and then tell him, okay, Jesus, you can lead in this part of my life and uh, I wouldn't mind if you did something with this because I've been trying for years. But over here, I don't want you touching that. You don't have any business there. That's not how we come to Jesus. For 2,000 years, Christians have been saying Jesus is both Lord and Savior. He died on the cross for us and now he leads our lives. We don't parcel up our lives and give Jesus the right to rule over only part of it. We give Jesus blanket permission to lead. Blanket permission. We authorize him to be our king, our master, our Lord. That what you say goes, Jesus. What you say goes. But let's make this really personal. There's lots of areas. And individuals, different challenges, different stories. I get it. But in my experience so far, examining my own life, interacting with people, there are three areas that we tend to resist Jesus' leadership. So let me talk about those three for a moment. Sex, money, and time. Here it is. We can't decide in advance that God cannot tell us how we should practice our sexuality. Whether we're single, whether we're married, whether we're living together, whether we're gay or trans or bi or straight as a Saskatchewan road. Whatever and wherever we're at, we submit our sexuality and our sexual practice to the authority of Jesus. How about our money? We don't come to Jesus and then not let him direct us in our finances. Do you realize that in all the stories of Jesus, in all the people who wanted to follow Jesus, in all the people who were invited to follow Jesus, one of the only examples we have of someone walking away from that invitation, sad, 
is because they refused to let Jesus have leadership in their finances. Youch! That should frighten us. Sex, money, time, our schedules. When we come to Jesus, He gets all of our lives. He gets all of our time. Every moment of every day, whether at work or at play, Jesus leads. We submit our schedules to Him. We let Him show us how He wants us to prioritize our time. How He wants us to maximize our influence. What we will begin to pursue as a result of what we're hearing in His Word and also what we may set aside and never touch again. What does it mean to put the teachings of Jesus, the Word of God, into practice? We authorize, first of all, Jesus to lead in our whole lives. Second, The second way we put God's word into practice is by making truth actionable. We read and we ask, Jesus, how can I obey you here? We read the Bible with a bias toward actionable obedience. We come to the scripture expecting to be challenged. Hear this. I know this is tough. We actually come expecting to be told what to do. And some of us don't like to be told. We don't like that. I don't want anyone to tell me what to do, right? This is how we read Scripture. We read it expecting to be told what to do. Expecting to be led. Expecting to receive correction. Expecting to be changed. And sometimes we need to do some deep study to figure out what that is. It's not always obvious, as we are discovering in this community Bible experience. <laughs> there is stuff in there that does not immediately jump out. Like, I know not very many of you are, 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 are wearing head coverings today. <laughs> Ethan and Lynn. And that's just confusing too. Right? There's stuff in the Bible that we have to, we have to distill it. We have to, we have to pursue it together. We have to reflect on it. We, we need insight. We need teaching. We need to understand culture. I get all that. We need the Holy Spirit to illumine our minds. But the bias is always obedience. The bias is always toward action, even if we have to dig sometimes to figure out what that looks like. You know, we hear God's word and we begin to apply it to our work. We let Jesus inform the way that we treat our customers or maybe our coworkers. We receive good teaching from God's word on on, on the importance of the earth. and, And then we ask, actually ask the question, okay, Jesus, how do I obey you in this? What's a practical way I can apply this to my life now? We hear about the Father's heart for the lost. And we realize as we receive this truth, we realize that I've been in a friendship with this person for many years. I spent a lot of time with them. I love them deeply. They know I'm a Christian, of course. They, they know that church is important to me. But I have never spoken to them about Jesus, ever. Never brought it up. And I realize as I hear the truth, of God's word, that in order to put that into action, I actually need to get over myself and I actually need to share Jesus' love with them in a verbal way. With lives fully submitted to Jesus, our bias is action. Our bias is obedience. But let me just take a step back for just a moment because I realize that not all of us are ready for that yet. Some of us are like, well, I'm not even following Jesus yet. Like, how does this work? So I want to talk to you about that because... You know, just the idea of bringing your life fully submitting it to Jesus when you're going, like, it gives me the hives. Or, or the idea of trusting even this book 
<laughs> You're like, are you kidding? I'm not ready to trust it. I've never read it. I don't know what it all says. I get it. Like, I really get it. I understand. So, so let, me, let me talk to you for a moment. I'm going to tell you this. If you will begin to follow even some of Jesus' teaching, you will begin to experience the effects in your life. The effects of that obedience. Let me just pull just a few things from just the Sermon on the Mount. Just this is the stuff that's come right before this, what Jesus said. You know, if you begin to practice Jesus' teaching to go the extra mile, you will begin to see transformation in your relationships. If you begin to honor your word instead of fudging all the time, you're going to see your integrity grow. You're going to see trust that others have in you grow. If you would stop judging other people all the time, whether it's in your heart, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's with just a few friends, and begin to actually deal with your own issues that you're packing around, you'll see positive change in your life. If you begin trusting that there is a Father who loves you, who cares for you, who's got you, rather than worrying all the time about securing your future through accumulation, you'll begin to experience freedom in your heart. Jesus' teaching, when obeyed, creates a solid foundation. So try it out if you aren't sure. Give it a whirl. Take six months. Okay, for six months, I'm going to take the teachings of Jesus and I'm going to apply it to every area I can possibly think of. Just try it. You might be surprised at what you find out. But the real promise that Jesus gives, I'm not going to lie to you. It's given to those willing to go all in. Willing to apply the truth of God's word to our whole lives. And what's this promise of Jesus? We've already heard it. Winds will blow. Economies will tank. Jobs will get cut. Terrorism will rise. People will disappoint us. Troubles are going to come. You're going to suffer losses. You're going to suffer sickness. You're going to have difficulty in your life and in your relationships. And some of that difficulty, make no mistake about it, will come because you're putting God's word into practice. And that really can throw some of us for a loop. Because we thought that the promise was if we put it into practice, we won't have troubles. That's not the promise. The promise of Jesus is not that troubles won't come. Because they do for all of us. The promise is that these troubles won't destroy you. Why? Because your life has been built to last on the solid foundation of Jesus' teaching, which you've been putting into practice in your life. I mean, think about it. How much stronger is your marriage and the foundation on which your marriage has been built to weather the difficulties that every marriage goes through? How much stronger is it if you've been applying the teaching of Jesus about lust in your life? If you've been taking the Word of God and applying it to your relationship with one another, how much stronger is the foundation on which your marriage is built if you've been doing that? How much stronger are you and able to weather a job loss if you've actually been putting to practice in your daily life this teaching of Jesus that your Father knows you and He knows the needs you have and He hasn't forgotten and if He can take care of birds and lilies, He can take care of you. We apply that to our lives. How much more able are we to weather difficulty that comes when the economy turns down, when we aren't certain what's going to happen? Can you really see how putting Jesus' teaching on forgiveness into practice in our life will actually bring freedom to our lives, true peace in our relationships, in our hearts? 
This is practical stuff. The troubles come, but the foundation on which we are built is strong enough to hold us up. The key to a life that can't be shaken will be the obedient actions taken. And the house that stands, the life that flourishes, stands on the foundation of Jesus' teaching. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm thankful that you gave us very practical teaching that we can apply to our everyday lives. Sometimes it's really obvious how it applies, and sometimes it takes some work. But what we know, Jesus, is that you, as we've submitted our life to you, that you are able to lead us. And as a result, we can weather any storm. I pray today that we as a community, whether we are still figuring out who Jesus is and still coming to know what this Bible is all about or whether we've been following Jesus for a long time, that together we would base our lives on actions taken, obedient action taken to what you have told us to do and be. I pray that you would deepen our faith, our ability to hear, and our willingness to act. In your name we pray. Amen. We uh, 